आर लिसनिंग टू द अगस्त्या आर Namaste and uh, welcome everyone. It is a great honor and privilege for us to have Sri Yogadhya Singh Ravaji with us uh, to talk about ancient Indian martial arts and uh, and related uh, topics. Pieces of Indian martial art. Actually, uh, I would like to tell you that in Shanatan Shastra, we don't have an uh, any kind of uh, aspect of blocking the blow. we don't block we never block okay we use a concept known as very interesting name rudrichaya mm-hmm. now rudrichaya is something it is based on the principle that if i am not present at the target point i want to be hit so i always leave the place where the blow is intended to land so i don't need to block the incoming blow So Indians had a smaller shield. You might have seen many pictures of Bidhi Kali holding a head, a severed head in her hand. Right. Yeah, she carries a wound. Now, why is that wound in her head, uh, in her hand? That is not a decorative item. It was basically a very vicious, very ferocious kind of psychological warfare, and that head was used by Indians sometimes as a shield. They would take a head from the battlefield, grab it like this, and use it. Wow! Yeah, yeah. no, and it's, you see something similar. For example, uh, you know the Vikings when they attacked Europeans, uh, they would have these severed heads of their enemies yeah. there on their ships just to psychologically strike yeah. fear into yeah. into the enemy. So that's yeah. how. So the Indians were not behind the Vikings. The Indians were not behind them. <laughs> 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 yeah no that's that's great to learn now one more thing i wanted to ask you about is the you know you visit a lot of temples and you see a lot of murtis with lots of different kinds of weapons so speak okay. about the different weapons on different murtis and we'll share pictures on our social media later uh, like i said uh, the murti of varaha is uh, quite common throughout the temples old temples ancient temples in one hand varaha is uh, seen holding uh, this kind of uh, uh, chakra or kada and uh, in other hand he holds a a club a club is a very ancient weapon it is one of the ancient the most ancient weapons used by human kind all over the world it could be made of metal it could be made of wood even bhagwan shiv is uh, known to have a club named as katanga mm-hmm. shatanga yeah so Uh, the varaha holds that that club many of our other deities i have also seen holding that club in temple iconography and uh, then bows and arrows are always there swords are there kalima uses a different kind of sword khadag which is known adkatti kind it is known as adkatti it is outwards it occurs uh, to outwards then uh, murugan it he uses a shaktipan which is basically a very broad spear right Yeah, so there are different kind of weapons. Parshuram ji, he uses a an axe. Mm-hmm. Now, but uh, in now I have found the ancient sculptures, the sculptures and the artists they knew that how a weapon was used and they depicted in the correct form. Nowadays we don't know. Right. The artists today, yeah, they don't know. I have seen Lord Krishna holding chakra here. and it is revolving as it is it has some kind of a, a machinery fitted into it or it is battery operated and is moving like this 
this was not the case right that was just like this if you see old pictures and old sculptures they would depict it like this right from here it rotated like this which is quite easy yeah when you throw it like this right similarly the axe parshuram nowadays he is hold uh, he is seen holding an axe from the bottom part while the battle axe uh, if it was small it was held always held from the upper part right yeah no, it's 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 fascinating to see uh, you you're right the evolution of uh, sculpture in temples as it depicts uh, you know yeah. uh, i i love south indian temples and uh, you know i think uh, i see i've seen pictures of because mugen uh, is also the god of war right? yeah he's the god of war uh, and uh, and mugen is loved and worshiped just as you know as kartikeya in 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 india in western yeah. uh, countries but uh, you know brother of ganesh and i think in the south uh, he is the younger brother and ganesh is the older or it's the other way around i get confused which way it is uh, but the the you know it is interesting that our ancestors gave us the right framework to understand a society that you will have gods that will be gods of war that uh, you know whether it's mogan or rama or parshuram uh, or many of the other people that we lean on in our history who fought to protect dharma so uh, you're right that that to me is another depiction of how shastra and shastra are integrated yeah one more thing i would like to add here uh, uh, going according to the communism debate all around the world right now and uh, mm-hmm. the indians were very much Uh, advanced and uh, forward-looking and forward-thinking. We had a goddess of war always. The right. All the primordial, the primordial deity of war is Kali. Everywhere, every Kshatriya family they have a Ishd Devi, and it is always a manifestation of Kali or Durga. Yeah. She yeah, and uh, every battle begins by first uh, worshiping Kali. Well, and 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 Shivaji was a worshipper of Bhavani. I mean, even uh, you know the Marathas war cry was was Jai Bhavani. Every Chhatriya is a warrior you can find from past. They always worship Kali or some right. manifestation of it. Yeah. Yeah. Even and, now, uh, in Shastra, in in Shastra Vidya, before going to combat, we also we just offer our heads to Kali. that's that's right and you know the one good part is some of these traditions continue in the indian army i know uh, i know that yeah. for example the gorkhar the gorkh regiment yeah, yeah. their war yeah. cry is jai maa kali aayo gorkhali right so right. in the name of god is maa kali here comes the gorkha to save uh, you know right. to fight against the enemy so uh, that gorkhar regiment today still has the same war cry that they had for hundreds and thousands of years how can we revive this for our current generation where we can teach them uh, martial arts that are based in in you know kauri sanatan shastra vidya gatka uh, you know whether it's sword dancing sword fighting uh, or other kinds of martial arts even malkam for example in in maharashtra that is based in uh, the martial arts of the marathas uh, how do we make that accessible and teach that to our kids First of all, we would have to make them knowledgeable about our roots. Then we need to 
tell them about the challenges they are going to face and we need to tell them that the solutions lie in our own systems it is not that we have to rush to some outside uh, system to learn it or like this we we have it all in our tradition like one thing i was recently i was thinking that i was pondering over the issue that i don't know what time the indians decided to go without uh, arming ourselves right every indian every indian household every indian elder even in the village still at least he has a staff who has a lot with him hmm. yeah no in, in my family we're not we're not chitriyas but in my own family we we've, we've had weapons yeah every household had it so it was never an issue that we are forcing our children it was always in our blood i don't know what kind of education what kind of system that came which uh, made this uh, made us forget all this so first thing is we need to know about our roots which you are doing a wonderful job agastya gurukulam is doing an excellent and wonderful job thank you yeah and uh, that is the way forward we get the children know about our roots then we introduce them to the concepts that which we have are having from since time in memorial and uh, we let them know of the challenges that uh, are in front of them and how we can overcome them using our traditional knowledge so that is the way forward so actually maybe you can elaborate that a little bit more because you might know about this so in pre colonial india before the time of the british i'm pretty sure that you know when when indians were only fighting you know the moguls and the islamic uh, invaders they were they must have been teaching this everywhere yeah. right otherwise you like shivaji would not be able to raise an army right fight against the mighty aurangzeb if people weren't already at least in some shape or form were trained but then once the british came uh, you know that tradition cut off so how how were we teaching martial arts to kids in pre colonial times before the british came and then how what did they do to stop that and the, you know the the mecolite education system which essentially was created to produce uh, you know clerks and coolies uh, that that to prove so can you describe you know what do you know about martial arts education in pre colonial versus colonial education systems yeah uh, at that time actually the armies uh, were made up of the elite warriors and then there was a the normal soldiers who came from the peasantry class so they could not be just like this that they uh, are picked up and they thrown into battle they need to be given a basic kind of training which was given by the elite warriors themselves as some kind of you can say a kam chalao or uh, some uh, which will work for them in situations so that kind of training was provided to them and the hub like we already discussed hub was most often the village itself or the temple the temple had akhadas attached to it the kings would promote wizards they would uh, keep uh, gurus and they would support them they would support akhadas they would allocate land to akhadas and temples which was used for sustenance of these arts and the teachers so it was all a very well oiled system which was working quite well and very well till british came over then british understood that this is the basic point which we need to take out in order to turn indians into our eternal slaves because till the warrior spirit is there you cannot subdue the race so for a warrior you need arms so the first thing they did was to bring the arms act but they brought the arms act like there there are several classes which we even now we call the martial classes 
the martial communities in India. Some of these martial communities were termed as criminals. It was uh, they were totally outlawed. The British used a variety of ways and a variety of techniques to suppress this thing. I was recently going through a book where Aurangzeb has also he has decreed in when he was uh, in his late uh, in his late region he has decreed that nobody else those in service of Aurangzeb are allowed to carry arms. The same way the British has also did. They suppressed anyone carrying anyone carrying arms. Carrying of arms was declared illegal. Your arms were confiscated. If you were found practicing this, you were tortured. You were put into jails. You were banished. So all these things were done. Gurus were hunted down. Even in our Akhara, our fifth guru, uh, Guru Baba, Gurudev Baba, Savan Singh Bangru, he was hunted for almost thirty years. He is the one who is credited to keep this flame alive. Yeah. He took his disciples and pupils into deep jungles. He taught them there, keeping themselves disguised for thirty full years. He was hunted till he managed to train three, four people who took this art forward. Fascinating. Yeah. No, I think there's and there's parallel stories all over India. Like you mentioned, you know this. The, yeah, there are parallel the, the word thug in English comes from thuggies and British yeah, declared exactly. as a criminal race because they were fierce warriors and fighters. They, they were the ones who were fighting against the British and, uh, yeah. and they were fierce warriors. And so, yeah, the, the British used legislation and laws as a very effective ways of uh, you know, branding people as bad and then creating sort of social exclusion for them and then removing that a source of resistance against them from who are very strong and proud warriors. Enjoy listening to the Agastya R. Is there something you really liked or would like to see in a future episode? Agastya Gurukulam welcomes your feedback either by phone or text message at 919-294-4800 or by email at info at radionaira.com or by online chat messaging at radionaira.com.